0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit Um, You know, this service, we um, prepared, no talk for this service, but... In the back of my mind, I thought, you know, in the second service, I maybe need to prepare a little something, something, because we might not have as many testimonies. We really felt like this week we wanted to emphasize worship and wanted to emphasize God speaking to us through the testimonies. And we had amazing, amazing testimonies this service. Last service, we had amazing testimonies too, but we had about twice as many. And if we would have had twice as many, I wouldn't have to speak. But because we didn't, I have a little talk that I have prepared for you. When we were singing that song, the third song, uh, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? And there's, if there was a theme song to River City Church, this would be the theme song. There was a time when we were over at McDuff when we sang this song, it says, open, what does it say? Open up the doors, let your music play, that the streets resound with singing. And we literally... Open the doors of the sanctuary. We are down, you know, in McDuff, off McDuff. We opened all the doors of the sanctuary and we're just going for it, like crazy worship, going for it in the middle of the morning, believing that this is what God has called us to as a church, that we're a church that when we, when our doors open up, we bring the kingdom of God. To, the, to our families. We bring the kingdom of God to the schools that we're in. We're, we bring the kingdom of God to every place, to every nook and cranny, every, every place that God calls us. The kingdom of God lives in us. And what does it look like? It looks like the streets resounding with singing. It looks like hope. It looks like songs that bring joy. That was the word we had this morning. Joy and your hope and your peace is restored. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like where there is injustice, we bring justice it looks like where things are wrong, have gone wrong, we make them right to the power of the gospel. And we sing that song, you know, I believe that Jesus, that you are enough to save the world, that your love can save the world. Well, how can love, something you can't see, something you can't touch, save the world? That doesn't make sense. How can that bring practical justice where there's injustice? How can that bring songs of joy where there are heaps of ashes? Where there's despair, how can that sow hope? How can something you can't see, you can't touch, do that? Because when the people of God experience the love of God, it manifests itself in tangible, real ways. It's called the social gospel, or social justice gospel in a lot of places. But I want to speak to you today about the danger of applying God's love prematurely to any area of our life, if it, if it be the gifts, if it be social justice, or the gospel that goes into the world, if, it, if it's personal gain or wealth, or any of those things, the danger of applying the gospel of love to any of those things, before we allow the Holy Spirit to work it into our hearts, is that we will die, we will run out of juice, and we will begin to do things out of our own effort. I have, I've chosen Ephesians three sixteen to 19. I'm just gonna read through this and just tell you a few points. I don't have a lot of time this morning, but I wanna make a few points. I feel like it's consistent with what, what God's teaching us this morning about his love, the importance of his love and experience in his presence. It says this. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through, through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how high, I'm sorry, how wide and, and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. God's desire in each of our lives is to pour out his glorious riches for his glory to be revealed in each of our lives. That means that God wants to bless you with everything that's good about him. When it talks about God's glorious riches, pouring that out in your life, that means, it doesn't necessarily mean wealth. It may mean wealth, but it means, think about of all of God's good attributes, love, joy, joy peace, His patience, his steadfastness, his power—all the things, his beauty—all the things that are good about God that make us love Him. His desire is to pour that out in us. Okay. Now, his love. Okay. So, what Paul says, what he begins, what he shows us in this passage is how does that? I mean, if I said, "How many of you guys want? How many of you guys want God's glorious riches?" You're like, "I want some more of that." And if you had some of that. You would want more of that because it's so good. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. There's nothing more powerful than experiencing God's healing in our life, God's love in our life, God's goodness in our life. And we would want more. Well, Paul says, this is how it happens. This is the only way that you will experience God's glorious riches in your life. And he says this, he says, by having Jesus at the center of your life or indwelling in your heart or your inner being. He, I pray that he will pour out his glorious riches, that you'll be strengthened with power. You see, Paul says, look, I have this power. If you want my glory, if you want to experience my love, at first you first need to realize this, it's a gift. And it begins with you receiving power from me to have this in your life. I will strengthen you with power through his spirit. So it's a spirit coming so that Christ will dwell in our hearts. So first we have to realize it's a gift of grace. We can't manufacture this, we can't clean up our life, we can't make this happen, we can't do good works, we can't worship enough, we can't pray enough, that it is a gift that comes from God. It's a gift that begins with God saying, for you to receive this, for for you to have Christ dwelling, for you to be grounded in Christ, for you to have your roots in Christ. These are kind of all the words that this paragraph uses. Paul says, you first have to realize it's a gift. And like any gift, you have to receive it. But when you receive it, you also have to make, you have to make a decision of how you want to use it. You know, we often receive power and we want to take it and use it somewhere else. If I, you know, think about it. If someone gives you a lump sum of money, You're being like, part of you's being like, "Oh, I'm gonna get that new car from me. I'm gonna spend some of them on me. But there's a part of us that will also drive and wanna go give it away. It's why that song is central to who who we are in our identity. We sang it both hours. Both hours, it was the most powerful song we sang. Both hours. By far. People were like getting the giddy up on it. Oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? We're kind of like, we get into that. We love that. We love the idea of going out, bringing joy. Bring, that's who we are. God's sown that into our hearts. And then we start singing about God's presence. It's like, and everyone struggles with it at our church. We start inviting people into intimacy and we struggle. And that's normal whenever you have a church that's shaped by God like us to do the things that God's created us for. it's just It's normal, but it's not right. It's not right. And again, Paul says, for people to experience my glorious riches in you or through you, it begins with you receiving this gift of power through the Holy Spirit and then applying it in a way that draws Jesus into the center of your life. For your life to work, you have to allow Christ to make his permanent residence in your heart. That word dwell in your heart, the Greek word there means to make a permanent residence, that Christ would come and sit and he would be present and you're inviting him to the most central part of your life. You're inviting him in, that, that meaning that you're saying, Lord, I want you to be the place where that power is exercised the most in my relationship with you. You're most central to me. You're most important to me. I don't want to use that power to go heal people. That's not what's most important to me. I don't want to use that power to give money away or to build people's, you know, give people houses or give people rides. I don't want to use the power that you've given me. Primarily, I want to use it to establish Jesus in his rightful place in the center of my life. That's what that power exists for. When Jesus came, the Holy Spirit descended on him. And before he did any ministry, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Most important, most central to Jesus was his father's love. Out of everything, that living well, that's where everything flowed. But so often we get power. We become a Christian, we get power and we go do. We go do good things a lot of the time. Missing, missing what Paul's telling us here. That what, is, what needs to be most central is Jesus. We use that, that gift of power, establish Jesus in our life. And then Paul goes on to say, and when you do that, you allow Christ to dwell in your heart, then you'll have a chance to allow yourself to become rooted and established in his love. It's only as you invite Christ to be central to your life that you have a chance for your life to be rooted and established in his love. If you all of a sudden just go out and start doing things for him, you will remove Christ from that place. Not that you lose the Holy Spirit or not that you lose Jesus. You don't, you don't but you start to find your identity in things other than Jesus and being loved by the Father. That's, remember, that's why the Spirit came, to connect us to the Father, to bear testimony of the Father's love to us through Jesus Christ. And so when we do that, it says rooted and established. What those words mean is this. In your life, if there's any chance of your, your deepest desires, of your cravings, of what you want and you think you need, if there's any hope... For those things, becoming Jesus Christ, if there's any hope in your life finding its foundation on Jesus Christ, any hope at all, it begins with using the power of the Spirit to ground you in the love of the Father and putting Jesus Christ in his rightful place and keeping Jesus Christ in his rightful place. And Paul's saying, you have a choice here. You have a choice. You can use my power for all kinds of good things. But use it for this first. And out of this, living water. Jesus said this to the woman at the well. Living water will flow. Living water will flow and overflow in your life. You know, so many times I hear people come to me and say, Haley, I'm just burned out. You know, I'm thinking, you barely got lit. You know? But you you were living on the fire of your own passion and your own will and you're exerting your own effort. You know, it was meant, we are meant to be vessels that are filled up with the living water, and as it overflows and overflows and overflows, we can't help but minister to people. We can't help but love people. We can't help but do, bring justice where there's injustice. It just naturally happens. It doesn't become a choice. It becomes the outflowing of what God is doing on the inside of our heart. The primary use of God's power is for making Jesus central in our life to experience and live from his love. If we place anything else there, Anything, even if it's good, it will pull our attention and we will dry up. We will dry up. We will burn out. If you and your life is not grounded in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, there's no way you will be able to extend his grace and his love to other people. You will always extend to others what your heart is rooted and grounded in. If Jesus is what you're rooted in and grounded in, and he is central to your life, you will extend Jesus. If he's not, you will extend your best effort. You will will extend your best impression of what Jesus would do, but you will not be able to bring the compassion and the love and the power and the joy and the peace of Jesus. We've all been there ministering to people Dried up, burned out, tired, exhausted, and weary. There's only one reason that you feel that way. It's because you have allowed what is most central in your life to become something other than Jesus. At the end of this prayer, this is a prayer that Paul sang to the, uh, to the Ephesian church. He says this, he says, this is my desire, this is my prayer for you. That you will know this love, that you will know this love so that you will be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Man, what a great place to end up. What a great, what, what if that was our goal? Lord, Lord, I want you to fill me to the full measure. Place Jesus in the place that He belongs and fill me to the full measure. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of not having the answers, of running out, of being exhausted, of being frustrated. I feel like I have to go to, I gotta go to church just to get filled up a little bit to make it through the week. But during the week that we live in a posture that, we're, that we are allowing the power of God to exercise its primary role in our life is establishing Jesus as our foundation, that we would be rooted and grounded and have him as the wellspring of our life so that we can extend Jesus to other people. We can extend Jesus to those that we love. Let's stand.